Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, let's get into the word today, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. I, um, I'm a bit excited about this message. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring the word today. We're going to go on a little bit of a journey. Uh, last week, we talked about this new series we're in for the four weeks called Unseen Battles. And what we've been talking about last week is the idea that you and I are on an unseen battle in culture. Predominantly, I believe that there is an unseen battle. Uh, there's a strategies of the devil, of the evil one that is after our marriages, after our families, after dating relationships. And I believe there's an assault on men in our culture right now. And I believe that uh, there's an un- this unseen battle. I believe the Lord told me to bring just exposure to it, to, to say it like it is, to speak the truth. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go at you today. Put your buck- Buckle your seatbelts and uh, prepare yourself because I'm going to tr- bring some truth today from God's word. But, but what we're looking at today is we, this is our, our, our text that we've been looking at, Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. People aren't the problem. They might perpetuate the problem, but people aren't the problem. We are struggling against rulers and against the powers and against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Our battle is against demonic forces. I'll say it clearly. Our battle is against the devil. Our battle is against the spiritual realm. And the devil is, as I showed you last week, is the ruler and has control over this world. He has blinded the minds of those who don't know Jesus, and he is actively trying to veil the mind of believers so that they may not have faith in Christ. Did you know the Bible teaches very clearly that a day will come when even those that are chosen by God, even the elect, will potentially stray away from God? And so what I want to do is I want to unveil this so that you can stand the test of time. As Paul says, that you can firmly stand in your faith despite the conflict, despite the sorrow, despite the trouble, despite the attacks of the evil one. You can remain strong and even better, your children's children, children will serve the Lord. Amen. So Bob, before we continue, though, I want to make sure, let's just encourage you today that you don't have to be afraid. You and I live in a post-Christian culture. If you're new to Canada, thinking that it was a Christian country, it's not. Canada, the United States still has a bit of a a foundational Christian background, but Canada is no longer a Christian background when the politicians and the government officials and the business owners go to make policy and plans. They're not thinking about the Bible. They're not thinking about biblical values. They're not thinking about what Scripture says. They're not thinking about what was God. What does God think, or what is what is the the ide- ideology of of the kingdom of God? And I don't think even the United States thinks that way either. But we live in an absolute post-Christian culture, and we have to understand that our school system and our government and and all that we're up against it does not think like you and I think with biblical values. We should not be shocked when our friend in government does something stupid. Or does something that's completely against our values. You say, what's going on? Well, they just, they don't, they don't have the Bible. They don't read the Bible. They don't have the foundation of the Bible. We shouldn't be surprised when our world does really, really ungodly things. It shouldn't shock us anymore, guys. Stop letting your jaw hit the ground when crazy things happen. Oh my gosh, I can't believe he, he just said in a, you know, an Islamic ambassador across Canada. I'm like, well, I'd love to have a Christian ambassador too if we could. 
Like, I don't understand why we do the things that we do, but I know this. It's not founded on Scripture. And if it's not founded on Scripture, I shouldn't be shocked when things don't go like I want it to go. We have to understand something that you and I don't have to be afraid. Look what Jesus says. I have told you all of this so that you may have, look at this, peace in me. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and you're going to have many sorrows. But take heart, church, because I Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Gee, how, what would it be like to not know the Lord and to face the things that we're facing? When we serve Jesus, we have peace. When we have served Jesus, we can take heart knowing that God has overcome it. Guys, I said this last week, we win. We prevail. The church of Jesus Christ wins. You do not have to be afraid. You do not have to run. You do not have to run away from the realities of this culture. Why? Because Christ has overcome the world. Are you doing okay this morning? This is just the beginning. We don't have to be afraid. And what I want to do is I want to, I want to jump back into um, into the Old Testament a little bit, and I want to teach you something the Lord showed me for my parenting and for, as, a, as, a, as a father and as a pastor. And so you say today, this is just for parents or kids. No, this is for you too, because there's a great challenge in, in today's message for each of you. We go all the way back to the, be, the beginning of the, uh, the Exodus from the people of Israel who left uh, Egypt, and they came out of Egypt into the, the desert, and, and they were there for 400 years. And as they were there, they were the people of God. They were the Jewish nation following Yahweh. But while they were there, they began to adopt different practices and ideologies. And, you know, in that day, it was pretty common for, uh, for a, a Jewish believer of Yahweh to also hold other gods like the water god or the sun god or the, the ground. God, when they would go to, to, to get water from the stream, they would have to burn, offer sacrifices. And so as they exited out of Egypt, uh, uh, Moses led them across the Red Sea and they went three days into the wilderness and started complaining about there was no water and they faced all sorts of trials and God intended for the people of Israel to spend two years in the desert, two years, but they ended up spending 40 years due to their lack of belief and their lack of faith in God and due to their constant division of their heart and as they came to the end of these two years as they came they were about to go into the promised land Moses was up on the, uh, at the at the Mount Sinai and the people of God were down below waiting for Moses to come down from the top of the mountain and Moses heard from God and as he came down the mountain he wanted to prepare these people you're about to go into a new land called Canaan and in this land there are gods there are all these ites there's the Perizzites and the Jebusites and the, the Gerizzites all these ites are there and I want you to know that they have different gods and they have foreign understanding and they don't have biblical values. They don't have the value of Yahweh or the value of Elohim. They don't have the values of God. And so I want you to understand that as you step into this culture, I need you to understand some very important ways that will not just impact your life, but will impact your children's children's life. And this is what Moses said to the people in Deuteronomy 6. He says, these are the commands and the decrees and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe, to do and obey in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, listen to this, so that your children and their children, generations, so that your children, and this isn't just about you. This isn't just about your life. This isn't just about your future. This isn't just about your success. This isn't just about you. This is about your children's children, generations. 
This is about Andrew and Brittany and Jet and Everly and their kids one day. This is about children and their children after them. May they fear the Lord our God as long as you live by keeping all the decrees and commands that I give you. And praise God. Somebody give me an amen to this next part so that you may enjoy a long life. Hallelujah. That you may enjoy a long life. I want you to know, he says, okay, I want to help you understand that as you step into this culture, as you step into this society, as you step into the realities of what you're about to face, there's a way in which you can preserve your life for God and enjoy a long life, and not only you, but your children's 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 children, praise God. And what Moses here is trying to do is to help you understand this reality. And then he says in this scripture, he says, I want to give you today, be careful to obey so that I may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, okay? So I'm talking to the parents here today or the adults here today. They are to be on your hearts. And in fact, you're supposed to turn and impress them and to teach them and to educate them on your children. And the way you do that is you talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He says, when you sit around, I want to exhort you. This is how you can keep yourself and your children from veering off and serving other gods is you observe the word of God and you obey the word of God. Don't be like a cultural Christian who just comes to church, sits there, butts in the seats and never obeys God's word. Even though it's hard, even though there's things in my life that I love to do that God says that's not okay, even though my life doesn't completely align to what the word of God says, if you want your life to go well for you, obey God's word fully. It will bring transformation to your life, to your mind, to your children, to your marriage. It's exactly what God had intended from you from the very beginning of time. He says, if you simply obey the word and observe the word, and but here's the catch. You cannot teach your children to do those things unless you are doing those things. Your children will only listen to the word if you just listen to the word. Your kids aren't going to follow God's word if you don't follow God's word. If you just go to church and go through the motions and don't obey God's word, guess what your kids are going to do? Go to church and go through the motions and not obey God's word. And guess what their kids are going to do? Barely go to church, barely read the word, and absolutely not follow God. I want you to hear me today. This is generational. And the devil isn't after you. He's after your kids because he knows if he can get your children, if he can get your children's children, simply by getting you to say, you know what? Part of it's for me. Some of it's for me. No, no, all of it is for me. And I'm going to be obedient to it, even if I don't like it. Even if there's certain things that this world says is okay. Even if this alternative lifestyle, though, the world says, okay, oh, the word says it's not okay. Even if I, I have a, a, you know, a struggle in the area, sexual sin, well, the Bible says it's not, don't even have a hint of sexual morality. Even if, like, you know, it's struggling with money and, oh, man, I really want that money and that thing. But the Bible says, don't store up yourself treasures on earth. Whatever the Bible says, I adhere my life to. And guess what? Your children will do the same. 
What Moses is trying to do here is saying, listen, you are going to be bombarded with culture. You're going to be bombarded with a way of thinking. You're going to be bombarded with an ideology and a perspective that is absolutely not God's way. Your children will face it. And so adults in the room, you got to fall madly in love with Jesus. Start living according to his word. Stop doing things your own way and start doing it God's way. I told you I was coming at you today. If we obey God's word, it will bring transformation to your life. And Moses was saying, it won't just impact you. It's going to impact your children's 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 children. And then he identifies firstly, okay, be obedient to the word of God. Do what the word of God says. Follow it wholeheartedly. Don't white out the passages you don't like or find a translation that says it a different way. No, this is what it says. I'm going to obey it. I'm going to do it. And then he throws something in there that I want us all to see here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Everyone say one. one. See, you and I look at this and think, well, of course. But what they look, this was a radical statement to say to the people of Israel because they were all polytheists. They were people, they, they weren't like you and I today where, you know, well, they are a little bit like us and I'll get there in a second. But the, 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 you and I are, were taught this idea of oneness, that God is one, that we are monotheists. We serve one God. His name is Yahweh. They had multiple different gods. And so what Moses was saying is saying, listen, as you go into this culture, you cannot allow yourself to have other gods in your life. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul, with all of your strength. He says, you have to be radically committed to every area in your life for God. You have to give every part of you. You cannot be a polytheist any longer. I want to share this with you today. I want you to hear me. Your children are bound to be polytheists. The devil's strategy is to try to get us to serve all sorts of gods. That might be a metal image or a golden shrine. It could be celebrity. It could be finances. It could be sex. It could be success. The big one, it could be identity. Affirmation. Want to know why all these people, young people are running around on social media doing all these crazy things? It's because they need affirmation from their father. They need love from not only their natural father and because fatherlessness is at an all-time all-time high. You should see the statistics on how many homes in Canada don't have dads. They're looking for affirmation and identity. It is a God. If we don't teach our children to watch out for the foreign gods around us, I want to tell you, the strategy of the evil one is to get our children to serve these other gods. And what he says here is, listen, we are one. Here, O Israel, our God is one. We are monotheists. This is all about worship. We all worship something. All worship different things in our lives. And what Moses is saying here is worship. Worship God. Worship the Lord. Worship him and him alone. Worship God above everything else. Worship God above your job. Worship God above your finances. Worship God above your desires. Worship God above your wants. Worship God. Keep God first. Keep God the center. Keep him the center of your home. Keep him the center of your life. Keep him the center of your heart. Keep him the center of your marriage. Keep him at the center. Keep him at the center. Fight for it. Keep him at the center. Keep him at the center. Because our natural tendency is to not keep God the center of our lives. He says, here, O Israel, the Lord is one. This is a matter of fear. And I want to tell you, or, I'm sorry, a matter of worship. And what I want to tell you, I don't say these things here today 
to make you afraid. But you and I have to make a decision that we're going to parent our children from the fear of the Lord, not the fear of culture. And I'm going to say this today with boldness. Christians, it is not our job to run away. God didn't call us to run away from culture. That's called fear. And I'm going to call it out. That's fear. Fear of what the culture might do to my children. Well, guess what? My God is bigger than culture. Guess what? The power of the blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection power, it completely destroys every cultural reality. If I teach them the word, guess what? My children will not deter from the ways of God. Why? Because my dad lives it out. My mom lives it out. My church lives it out. Don't run away in fear. Perfect love casts out fear. I speak to fear and the peoples in the room who are out afraid. Oh my gosh, what about this policy? And what about that thing? What about this thing that this teacher did? Don't be afraid. Teach our children to fear God and God alone. I don't fear the things of this world. I don't fear the celebrities or their perspectives or their agenda. You know who I fear? I fear Jesus. I fear the Lord. I fear Yahweh. And I say, God, I'm going to live my life. Whoever you want me to live my life, and my children will too. I am not afraid of this culture. Do not run away. That's what the purpose of the house of God is for, to keep us strong in our faith to remember that we win in this culture. We win. We prevail. And so he, this is Moses' big idea. Listen, we need to teach them to observe the law, observe the word of God, to obey the word of God, and to worship the Lord. That's it. I got to do that first, and I got to teach my children to do the same, and my kids are going to begin to learn. That doesn't, that doesn't get me to fear the Lord. Now, let's fast forward a couple of years. Now, the people of Israel went into the promised land, into Canaan, and they, they did the exact opposite of what Moses told them to do. And they went in there, and they did all sorts of crazy stuff, and so they were taken into, Babylon came in and took them all captive. And now they're in this Babylonian captivity, and that's when Jeremiah prophesied, you know, I have plans for you, says the Lord, to prosper you, to help you. He didn't prophesy that so that they could go and live a prosperous life, like out free from problems. He prophesied that when they were in the middle of Babylon, and said, you're going to be successful in your trouble. And then they get out of Babylon, and here they are out of Babylon, and the, the temple of God that is, 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 is destroyed, and the people of Israel are scattered. And, and so Nehemiah was called by God to gather all the people of God back together and to build, rebuild the church of Jesus Christ, or the temple. And he gets back together, and 13 chapters of Nehemiah, he's facing all sorts of trouble and hardship and He's gathering all the people of God together, building up the house of God. And he finally restores the, the walls of the, 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 the temple of God. And he turns his attention to the people, to the people of Jerusalem, to the people of Israel, to the people of God, to the church of Jesus Christ. And it says he began to look across the church and he made a few observations. And I want to point these observations out to you. And the Lord spoke this to me for my, for my children. And I want you to see it too. In Nehemiah 13, 23, he says, moreover, over. This is Nehemiah. He says, in those days, he says, I begin to look across the people of God and I saw that the men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, the, the, the word Judah means praise. So the men of praise, the, the men who worshiped God, the men who were followers of Yahweh, they, they married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. They were intermarrying with other cultures. That means that these, this, these men's parents 
as, as followers of God, as Jewish individuals, gave their children permission to intermarry with the culture. And then what happened is these people had children. And look what it says. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod. Ashdod was a god in which they would sacrifice their firstborn child. It was very common to murder your firstborn child as a sacrifice to the Ashdod god. And they would worship this in the language of the other peoples, look at this, and did not know how to speak the language of praise. Ryan, why did this happen? Well, because three generations before, the parents who were leading their children did not observe God's word, obey God's word, and worship him alone. And so they said, you know what? It's okay. You know what? It's not that big of a deal if you see that, or it's not that big of a deal if you go with that person, or it's not that big of a deal. I guess, you know, whatever. It's just a, a movie, or it's just a relationship, or it's just this, or, oh, they're just fooling around, or whatever. You know, it's just not a big deal. And their children begin to intermingle with other cultures, and all of a sudden what happened is they get married and have other children and now their children don't even know the language of the church of Jesus Christ they don't even know the language of God why because two generations back parents made a decision that they weren't going to go all in for Jesus see we have the luxury here of literally seeing Lord like us like literally years of advancement why these individuals were no longer, didn't even know what the language of Judah was. They didn't even know what the language of faith was. They didn't even know what the language of the word of God was. Why? Because somewhere along the line, those people chose not to observe God's word, obey God's word, and worship the Lord. Church, I want to encourage you today. And I know this is a heavy message. And I know I'm coming at you. And some of you are feeling incredible conviction. And some of you are like, oh, thank God, I'm doing all right. And that's great. Maybe you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus at all. And I want you to know, Jesus, serving Jesus is easy. Serving God is easy. Easy uh, as in confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. You will be saved. But there is a journey where you have to come to a place where you say, okay, am I in or am I out? Am I going to serve the Lord with everything? Or am I just going to be a nominal Christian who goes to church and does my thing and comes in and out and then I get offended and I leave or something happens or just kind of mingle and mix with culture? I know I'm being rough, but I want you to know today, Love City Church will be a church of people who are madly and passionately radical followers of Jesus Christ. Half of you liked that. When we read the word, we say, yeah, I don't always like this scripture, but I'm going to adhere to it. Why? Because it's truth. Yeah, I don't like it when it tells me to do this, or I don't like it when it asks me to go forgive this person. Or I don't like it when I have friends who are living an alternative lifestyle, and they say, Ryan, what does the Bible say? And I say, oh my gosh, this is a tough one. I can easily say, well, no big deal. No, I say, oh, the truth is this. God made us male and female, husband and wife. That's what the Bible teaches. And I know it stinks, but the reality is as you follow Jesus Christ, he begins to convict you in areas of your life. And what happens is you begin to change and become more like he intended you to be, and you find more life and more joy and more hope and more peace from doing it God's way than from doing it my way. So we see here that the Bible very clearly teaches us how to be in the culture. We as men and women have to observe and obey and worship the Lord and then we have to teach our children to do the same. Now, with my remaining time, I just want to give you quickly three arenas for our, for our children's lives, for our lives as people. The first one is this arena's strategy, battles that face our children is in education. 
Now, this is mainly for the parents in the room. And for those uh, who are having children grow up in, in our city, trying to figure out what to do, where do I put my kid in school? And the first thing I want to say again is we need, our, our culture doesn't fear the Lord, and so we shouldn't expect that our public education system to fear God. Now, here's the truth. We have a lot of teachers who do fear God. Amanda's one of them, and Julie, and many other teachers in the room who serve in the Calgary Board of Education or another form of that. And so I'm, I want you to hear you. There are, 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 there's truth and, and, and people who are fighting for biblical values in the school system. And so I'm not saying it's all bad, but what I am saying is across the board, we have to remember something. It's not the responsibility of a teacher or even a youth pastor to teach our children how to serve the Lord. That's my job. The scripture here says, train up, educate a child in the way they should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Did you read that? The Hebrew word for train up is literally the Hebrew word educate. Educate a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Education here is an important thing. And we have to, that word educate means repetition, to do it over and over and over again. Think about it for a minute. Our children spend six to eight hours at a school. And even some believers, people who call themselves Christians, wouldn't hold the same biblical values I do. Six to eight hours learning from teachers. Some of them are amazing. Some of them are incredible. A good majority of them maybe don't know the Lord, and so they don't know any better, but they're not teaching my children the foundation of Scripture. Six to eight hours and so where do our children learn the truth? They learn the truth in their home and at the church. I want to encourage you today, and I'm going to go there, and I, want, I know I love you, but I'm going to say this out loud. Young people, come on, we have an amazing youth ministry at our church. Andrew and Brittany are doing an incredible job. We're over 30 young people, but I want to encourage you, prioritize coming to the house of God over sports. Prioritize the house of God over other things. And here is why. I believe there are two environments in which we can instill truth into our children. They just spent eight hours with Susie Ann who learned some sort of weird thing as she growing up. And I have to come home and adjust all of it. Well, the way we teach truth, the way we educate our children in the way they should go is at home and in the house of God prioritize the house of God. Make the house of God an important part of your children's life. My parents did that for me, and that's the reason I'm standing here today. Prioritize the house of God. We have an amazing youth ministry on Wednesday night. We're looking for leaders, and we're looking for more young people. We have an amazing kids ministry in here where they learn about the Lord. Prioritize the home and the house of God. We say, Ryan, what kind of education, what should I do? Should I do public school, Christian school, private school, homeschool? I went to Christian school, and it was just as bad as the public school. I mean, I smoked my, I smoked my first cigarette and drank my first beer with my Christian friends. So if you think that sending your kids to a Christian school is going to make them a Christian, you are very wrong. It's not their job. It's yours. In fact, I find sometimes it's not as great of an environment to be in when everyone's not all the way there, and they're learning how to be nominal Christians rather than radical Christians. Saying that, a Christian environment can be very positive because you go, they pray, they talk about the Lord, they develop some good friendships. So hear me. I think that's good. But just remember, it's your responsibility to train up your children. 
You say homeschool or public school. Listen, public school, my kids shared Jesus for the, you know, the first six grades of their life. They shared Jesus all the time. It's a great opportunity for them to share, uh, to share their faith. But you have to make sure when they come home, you are redeeming your dinner table. Everyone say, redeem the dinner table. When you sit around that dinner table, my kids know we do not start eating until all four of us are sitting down. Then I'll say, all right, who's going to pray? Someone prays. I don't care how you pray. Rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for the grub. Yay, God. I don't care what you say. Just talk to Jesus about it. It's his food. He gave it to you. Praise God. And then what you need to do is you need to begin to ask questions. My kids know about every single thing going on in this world. Why? Because if you don't teach them, somebody else will. You don't talk to them about sex, somebody else will. You don't talk to them about homosexuality, somebody else will. You don't talk to them about transgenderism, somebody else will. You don't talk to them about sex, somebody else will. You don't talk about pornography, somebody else will. You don't talk to them about the things of this world and music and movies, somebody else will. Somebody else will. Someone else will parent your children. Someone else will pastor your kids. And most likely, it won't be in the way of God's word. And I want, to, I want you to get this, this thing in your head. If you're single, redeem your dinner table. Come on, with, with, with friends, re, people, that, people in the church. Redeem your dinner table to be a sacred moment where you get into your kids' lives. My kids know, all right, guys, yesterday I did this. All right, guys, we're gonna have a little moment. Bray was like, oh my gosh. And I said, I hope it's okay. I won't, I won't give any detail, but we talked about. But I talked to Ezra and Bray about digital mentorship. Listen, you know, social media. People get on social media and they start doing selfies of themselves. What are they looking for? They're looking for a, a like. I want someone to affirm me. I didn't get affirmed from my dad or I didn't get affirmed from, from the people in my life. And I, I'm lonely and I'm in need. And so I'm going to go do these things. I, it's, it's one of the greatest idols we struggle with in our society is identity. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go on there and I'm going to show it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put it out there. And I'm going to say, okay, look at me. Look at me. Please, please, please. Like, 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 ah. Like, 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 ah. Like, 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 ah. And so what we're doing is we're saying, worship, 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 ah. Instead of saying, all right, Jesus, my affirmation and my affection only comes from you and you alone. I'm not going to post myself shaking my booty on that thing, looking for people to like me. Why? Because, Lord, I only want your approval. I only want your grace. I only want your eyes on me, God. I only want to please you. So we have these deep conversations. And if you talk to my kids, they probably know more about the world than you do. It's because I say, you know what? I'm going to teach my children this is right this is wrong. This is in the middle. I'm not sure about that. This is up for conviction. This is up for opinion. Well, dad, can I drink or not? Well, son, that's up to you when you're 18, you can drink. But just know the Bible says don't get drunk. You can drink all you want, but just don't get drunk. Do you think you can handle that? Well, I don't know, dad. Can I? Well, I don't know. But the Bible doesn't say you can't drink. The Bible says don't be drunk with wine. You got to teach your children these things because if you're not talking about it, somebody else will. See, Ryan, why are you so passionate? It's because I love your children. Because I, I mean it. I love your children. I love that new girl I met today. I, I, I love that young boy today who came in and gave me a hug. I love your children. I love your teens. I love them. And I want them to serve the Lord just like I did. I want them to serve God. So I'm going to speak the truth. The second thing we see is in our social media. This is a big deal. And I want you to listen to this. Hope you're okay today. <laughs> social media. Are they learning the fear of the Lord on social media? This is my concern. 
internet, the, the, the social media is like you, you and I are the experiment. They haven't done any history or years of research on this. You and I are, are the guinea pigs. And our society is crumbling because of it. Now, I'm not on social media because I can't handle it. And if you're on social media, I don't judge you. That's between you and Jesus. But let me give you a few observations. Look what the statistics say about July 2020, a Pew Research report revealed that two top two reasons given for the increased difficulty in parenting were technology in general and social media. The number of social media users in Canada increased by 2.4 million. Two-thirds of teens have their own mobile device with internet capabilities. Kids under the age of eight are on a cell phone on average of 50 minutes a day. Kids aged 12 are on cell phones on average of six hours per day. Teenagers are on their cell phones on average of nine hours per day, not including homework. Surveys show that 90% of teens aged 13 to 17 have used the social media. 75% report having at least one active social media profile and 51% report visiting a social media site at least daily. 5,000 person study found that higher social media use correlated with self-reported decline in mental and physical health and life satisfaction. 67% of teenagers know how to actively trick their parents on what they are actually viewing on social media. After being examined, uh, there was six outcomes by young children between the age of 10 to 18 and they found that children lost sleep. They had trouble concentrating on tasks. They were less physical in activity. They felt anxious, depressed, were envious of the lives of others. They felt frustrated or angry. I want to tell you today, Snapchat, social media, Instagram, Facebook, they are not your friends. They don't care about you. They don't want your life to be better. They don't sit around and pray for your well-being. Guess what the bottom line is? Money. Guess who the product is? You and your children. Do you think that these people care about you? Studies have shown that they have done research that when they started Facebook, they were tapping into a neurological addiction in us to swipe, 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 engage, and what do we get? Dopamine hits. And yet every one of us, we're just jumping into it like no question, yay. Listen, parents, we understand something. You have to teach your children that social media is not just something, oh, look at the, look how exciting this is, yay. It's so kind and wonderful on here. No, it's a cesspool of narcissism. It's not godly. Now, can it be redeemed? Right now we're on YouTube and Facebook. Please don't cancel me. So can it be redeemed for the kingdom of God? Yes. But Christians, listen to me. There is a spirit on social media. It's the spirit of Nimrod. No, I'm not calling Mark Zuckerberg a Nimrod. I didn't share this in the first service, but I wanted to make sure I shared it today. All the way back to Genesis chapter 11, there was a scripture where a guy named Nimrod wanted to build a tower to heaven. And it says in the scripture, he said, let's build a tower to heaven. And he says, let us make a name for ourselves. What was the point of the Tower of Babel? Connectivity. He says, let's build a tower to heaven to reach God. And God looked down upon us and said, oh my gosh, they're going to actually accomplish this. The spirit of Nimrod is the, is the core of narcissism and self-worship. 
I want to call out this spiritual realm, unseen battle. You think you're on social media and that you're fearing the Lord. You're actually learning how to love and to serve the only God that we serve often, ourselves. I want to encourage you today. I believe there are many in the church today that are addicted to social media. You are addicted to the likes. You post a picture, you go on, and you just can't wait to see all the wonderful comments that people say about you. I want to encourage you today. That's not a godly way to think. I talked to my son about this. I said, Ezra, when you play video games, do you play video games because you enjoy it, or do you play it because you want the affirmation of other people? Well, Dad, yeah, that's a struggle. If you are on social media looking for affirmation from other people, you need to turn your heart to the Lord. Because guess what? You're going to teach your children to do the same. Your kids are going to learn. My dad gets his affirmation from John down the street. Who, who cares about that guy? And he's like, 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 like. But to understand something, there's a spirit behind this social media. And what's happened is our parental passivity has been exposed in this day. We say, I don't know how to do it right, or what do I do? Listen, I believe the Lord wants us to start a training because I'm really good at it, and I'm good at it because I spent years getting around it because I struggled with sin and social media and, and pornography and things like that when I was a younger lad. And now, praise God, I've learned all the tactics so my son can't get away with nothing. But I feel like I'm going to redeem that by trying to teach parents because you say, right, I don't know what to do. Listen, I, I love you, but that's an excuse. Our passivity will we'll have consequences. And so church, let's say I'm going to do whatever I can to reinforce to my children that this is not where they find their identity. They're going to find their identity in the Lord. They're not going to find their identity in that girl or that thing. They're going to find their identity in the Lord. And lastly here today, I know I'm keeping you over time. Let me share one last scripture with you. And this is for everybody in the room. The third area, the arena of battle is friendship. See, there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This will be the last scripture I share with you today. Thank you for your time and thank you for letting me go steroid bananas on you today. <laughs> Paul was writing in this scripture about the resurrection of Jesus Christ because some were beginning to believe in the body of Christ that the resurrection of Christ had not happened. In 1 Corinthians 15, he writes all these verses about how if we don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, our faith is meaningless. And he spends like 50, 50 verses writing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how this is the very cornerstone of our faith and how we have to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we have to believe it. That's the foundation. That's the backbone of what we believe. And then Paul, at the very, very end of this chapter, makes a very, very odd, odd quote. Look what he says in the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 52. He says this. If the this is the very end of talking about the resurrection of God. If the dead are not raised, then let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. If this isn't true, let's just live for ourselves today. Let's eat, let's drink, and let's die. And then he says this statement. Look what he says. Do not be misled or deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Resurrection of Jesus, believing in faith, believing in God, believing in his word, moral truth. God is everything. God, faith, 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 faith. And then he comes down to saying, if you don't believe this, you're going to be around people who don't believe it and just say, dude, just live for yourself. Because bad company corrupts good character. I want to encourage you today. You need to find some good Christian friends. That's why I pointed out our group leaders here today. You need to find some good Christian friends. Well, Ryan, I really don't like them. It doesn't matter if you like them. We don't like each other. We just are all followers of Jesus. And then we like each other. 
Think about it. We're not here because we're all playing Parcheesi together. We're here because we love Jesus. And then we become a community. And I don't have a lot in common. I fly fish. There's no fly fishermen in the church. God help us. But I'm here and I love you because we love Jesus. Develop relationship. Because if you are in a lot of relationship with people who don't know Jesus and aren't believing in the resurrection of Jesus, guess what? It will corrupt your character and even more so for our little ones. Say, Ryan, they're out preaching the gospel. They're sharing their faith. Listen, I appreciate that. But guess what? They are just baby Christians too. They need to be around Christian people, to learn Christian environment. And that's what I shared earlier about my son. He has a friend and they, they talk about their faith and they, they encourage one another. Listen, that's the reason I'm here today because I made a decision to no longer be with those people. They, I'm friends with them and I love them and I care about them. Hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying reject all your unchristian friends, but I'm saying try to engage in relationship with people who know the Lord. You wanna know why? Because guess what they're gonna ask you? Hey, how's your walk with God? Hey, what'd you read in your Bible today? Hey, what's God doing in your heart? Well, none of my other friends asked me that. It's because iron sharpens iron. Faith encourages faith. This is what the body of Christ is all about. So I encourage you, join a group. Wednesday night, come to prayer on Wednesday. There's all sorts of people here. Join a group, grow night. Be in the house of God and make friends. You say, Ryan, they're not my best friends. It's okay. Just somebody who can encourage you in your walk with God. And parents, you need to make sure your children are in relationships with kids that serve God. That's why we have a Wednesday night just for that reason. We're gonna fight. We're gonna fight these unseen battles and our children are gonna serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. Next week, we're gonna talk about marriage. And then the week after that, we're talking about single relationships. And we're gonna talk about fathers, dads, men. I believe men need to rise up in the name of Jesus and lead. That's, that's kind of a weird thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you stand to your feet? Come on, right now, why don't we just, uh, if you came here with somebody today, just put your arm around them. Maybe put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. I just want to pray a, a prayer across the room. Come on, Father, today we say, Lord, we are going to observe your word. We're going to obey your word, Lord, and we are going to worship you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Lord, we will fight this battle. But Lord, so thankful that we win and our faith is in you. I pray you'd help us in any area we're facing challenge or strategies. Lord, give us strategies for our children and for those who are wanting children. Lord, give them kids in the name of Jesus. Help them to be fertile myrtles in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just wanna say we love you with all of our heart. We thank you for an amazing day. Bless them as they go. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said.